You're here with Donnie from Pastoral Formation Diocese of Parramatta. Today on the Soul Food Podcast, we're throwing back to one of our treasured episodes from our archives. Produced under the name Questions Over the Table, this throwback features conversation inspired by one life and faith question from someone in their mid-twenties to forties. Donnie Velasco and you're here with the Faith Feed Network. The Faith Feed is an initiative of the Catholic community in Greater Western Sydney, produced by the Institute for Mission, Diocese of Parramatta. To find out more, visit thefaithfeedparramatta.com.au. In the Faith Feed Network, we explore conversations about life, faith, and action in the world for those aged around mid-20s to 40s. We believe in facilitating this space where all are welcome, where questions are honored, and where human stories reveal our personal connection with the divine. Thank you for joining us today on the Faith Feed podcast. Today's segment is called Questions Over the Table. And here with us today are our regulars, Kim Chong and Francis O'Callaghan. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi. Kim works in interreligious dialogue, and Francis works as part of an education team for faith and human development. In this segment, the three of us will be drawing on inspiration from adults aged around the mid-20s to 40s, and these people on average would identify among those who attend church once a year at Christmas, many of whom share the common language of mortgage and rent, career growth and change, starting families, dating or happily single. We've had the opportunity to ask them to share some of their questions of life and faith in this current season of their life. Having collected their questions anonymously, in the segment the three of us will draw on their responses in a jar in front of us, and will allow these questions to connect with us, to move us, and to prompt us for our conversation today. In fact, if there's any point of this conversation that you'd like to share a bit of your mind, feel free to get in touch with us again with the description details below. And before we open the jar, as always, we begin our sessions with a question about food. What's been a recent or distant memory about food? Um, Quick one, I've I've used this recently only because I've I've, um, just journaled about some early childhood memories. So this is probably a reconstruction rather than what actually happened. But I remember watching my dad eat with his hands. Um, And I just remember being fascinated by that um, and trying to mimic my dad in doing that. And then when family would come over, especially my cousins, I would almost take pride in the fact that I knew how to eat with my hands, even though it was always messy and it made me look like a grot. Um, but two takeaways from that experience, I suppose, were one, I felt like I, I recognized some of my earlier roots of wanting to be practical in the, in the way that I pick up things or, or, or learn things, be that about faith, um, religion, or just everyday life things. I'd rather be hands-on than than an observer. Um, so I just wonder how that's influenced me throughout my years. And the other one was just a appreciation of um, a bit of tradition in our family, which shaped a bit of my identity. I find that when I go back to the Philippines, that it's a common ground that I have with, with the people there that I'm eating as they eat with their hands. I mean, they use spoon, spoons and forks, like they don't always eat with their hands, but there's that connection of a, a long identity that's, that's beyond my lifetime. And yeah, there's just something, something sacred about about that we might now draw from the jar and see what we'll be surprised by question um a question from that group of 20 to 40 somethings just as kim is drawing from the jar if you heard that 
I just want to say thank you to those uh, 20 to 40 somethings for offering these questions in the first place. They've been thinking and what question they have for us. Okay, so the question I've drawn from the jar is, why is it so hard to talk about our faith and religion today? Hmm. Why is it so hard to talk about our faith and religion today? Mm. That's the most comfortable silence I've been <laughs> in about in about ten weeks. I think. <clears throat> I, th- I think um, the first thought that came up when you asked that question, when you read out that question, Kim, was, "I'm not sure it's ever been easy." Um, you know, it's all. You know, there was a time when when religion and society and culture and government were all the same thing, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, but even then, like, you, you, there were particular people that were versed in it. Mm. And that was, that was describing a time where there were leaders of religion and recipients of religion um, who, who kind of saw it as being like, you know, like following the road rules. Um, it was something that you that was just ingrained into your kind of very being, and I think that with the way that we have grown as a as a civilization, um, the complexity and the way that religion has has kind of emerged in the lives of people, or or even the the divisive way that um, the religion and society have, have essentially diverged from one another, um, has meant that. You know that adage of if you're at a dinner table, you never talk about about religion and politics, is because of how you know kind of various perspectives can be can be true and um, contradictory at the same time. Mm. And it's one of the few things where you can take a, a position of thinking that you can hold to be true, that you can encounter someone else that will have an almost conflicting view and maybe even use some of the same reasoning in the opposite way uh, to you. And so it, it becomes challenging. And, and perhaps the most profound part about that is that we all speak with an authority that we don't deserve. Hmm. Um, so we speak with... If we do speak, we speak with confidence in something that is probably misplaced. Um, and so we don't come to... We don't come to our faith discussion from a place of, of listening. Um, and I think that your your work, Kim, mm. is a perfect example of how important mm. it is to... Um, I, I was still so profoundly affected by your comments in our previous podcast around the way that you accompany um, the women that you encounter as mm. opposed to this idea that you're in a position of, of, of a saviour-type position. That, um, that's a really... That's a beautiful place... And I think it's one error that we make in thinking that we have answers that other people don't have and we're not ready to listen to, to the wisdom of others mm. when we have conversations about religion. Mm. Francis, can you say a bit more about um, speaking from a place of authority we, we don't deserve, whether that's from, uh, <laughs> is it an experience you've seen or, yeah, just so that our listeners can... Well, yeah, most of us, I mean, most of us grow up thinking that um, our limited life experience is all there is our cultural life experience, our experience of faith is the same experience that other people have had. And so we tend to speak 
and other people say, well, that hasn't been my experience at all. I, yeah. You know, I come from a different tradition or a different experience. I come from a, a position of trauma. Um, I, you know, I grew up in a family where where exploring and challenging my faith was encouraged, mm. even at a point when I was trying to be very rigid in my faith thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I, I've, but that experience is not a common. I haven't come across a lot of people that have that have shared that story. Uh, but not only that, the amount of mm. literature and the amount of reading that mm. you could do to, uh, to to listen to the wisdom of, of two thousand years worth of worth of faith experience is so profound. And we we like we like the summaries. We like the five takeaways from from you know from from this this document or you know the Gospel of John in three minutes the you top know, ten list the, yeah right and so we tend to and and we and what we do is we stop there and as a great that's a great starting point for mm. for kind of emerging out of our ignorance but it, but we tend to we tend to be kind of chained by that and thinking well I have I have five minutes to become proficient in experiencing my my understanding of faith or my understanding of a particular issue. I've sourced it from the, you know, the ACBC and they've said this and so that's what it is. Um, and I think that as a result of that we, we go, I have heard from my authority yeah. and therefore I will speak with authority and yet the journey that this community has gotten to come to that point, I, don't, I haven't experienced. Yeah. Um, and so I speak with a referred power. Um, that I don't understand. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Thanks, Francis, for that kind of balancing between, I suppose, the necessary thing of being able to know things and have the confidence as as a person and have esteem to, to know something um, and also being able to be comfortable in saying what we don't know and then taking that into a space of listening to the other. Kim? Um, well, I guess for me, um, why is it so hard to- to talk about faith and religion today, um, being in the field of interreligious mm. dialogue, where our whole goal is to talk about faith and religion <laughs> <laughs> with each other, and um, and and have a dialogue, have mm. a dialogue, whether that's with yourself or with within your own faith or with people of other faiths. Yeah. So my whole role in interreligious dialogue is to encourage to talk about our faith and religion in a way that's open-hearted and and a form of sharing and a way to learn from each other. So I think it it might depend on on um, talking about it, what it is that you're exploring or wanting to achieve perhaps right. and we're wanting to achieve dialogue. We want to talk about our faith and religion with each other but as a way of learning, not as a way of converting or imposing. Yeah. It's a um, it's a way of it's it's a it's a building of a bridge. That's what dialogue is. It's forming relationships with others. So I think if you shift it in a mode of um, of love for the other mm. rather than fear, mm-hmm. um, you will talk about it. You will talk about your faith and religion, and you'll talk about it with some confidence because there's no fear in that you're going to be converted or that you're going to offend. Um, but it's a challenge. I can't say it's an easy task. Yeah. Um, but that is our that is my task and the and the task of the centre, the Columban Centre that I work for. Mm. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I guess the difficulties with it can be that we are, are fearful 
and mm-hmm. that we feel mm-hmm. all that we feel so entrenched in our ideas that to have them challenged by someone else, even by someone else within your own faith, mm-hmm. um, can be too confronting or too mm-hmm. difficult. We're not ready for that, perhaps, yeah. um, because it opens up it opens you up to to something other than what you've known, perhaps, or what's familiar or what's comfortable. Yeah. And um, and that can be scary for some people. Yeah. Um, I think for the person asking this question, um, I'm I, I wonder. I have th- sort of other separate ideas to 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 just my own experience in interreligious dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if in this context it might be in a more secular environment. So they might have um, they might be particularly strong in their faith and religion, yeah. but with their colleagues at work or with people that they're starting to become friends with who might not um, be as strong in their faith or their religion, they might be, feel that they can't speak about yeah. speak about it perhaps. Um, so in that context, I feel like because you know we do live in a secular environment and our our government institutions and what have you are formed in that way mm. um in one sense you're free to ha- to practice whatever religion you have but i just wonder if the language of the civic life the language that we all sort of live by in our day-to-day working life and world um be- over overwhelms sort of the language right. of faith and religion which i mm. think um, or, or gets lost yeah. in in our sort of civic lives because yeah. it's all about progress and meeting goals and yeah. structures yeah. And, and and that kind of thing and so and in that you do lose um, that beautiful language that I think faith and religion provides society so mm. um, perhaps they're not they don't seem particularly compatible you know you could be at yeah. a business meeting and and you're going to be speaking about goals and KPIs and whatever other acronym that's yep, there that's yep. going to achieve the outcome that you need to achieve. Mm-hmm. So in that space, how, how, how would you speak of faith and religion in that space? Or how would you, you know, you go on a lunch break with a colleague mm-hmm. and this is meaningful for you or you're having a, an, um, you're trying to open up or make a connection with somebody of that nature and it's and it's related to your religion or your faith or what happened at church on the weekend, they can't open up that part of themselves potentially. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating. Yeah, yeah. You know? So that, that could be why it's difficult. It's just this, this, this sort of secular, civic, progressive, goal-orientated yep. sense of yep. being um, that we're all need need to do in order to to achieve outcomes and have structure and um, order and that kind of thing but I wonder if if that's why you know you start talking in a, in a, in a sense in a more open-hearted or mm. loving language that that might conflict a little yeah. bit or frighten people a little bit yeah. I, I don't know yeah that's just one thought yeah yeah, yeah. I definitely had a I, I, as you were talking about the the particular focus or the thinking about where this this um, question is coming from or the, uh, about the secular world. And I think that that's a huge... It's a huge challenge for many reasons and, and sometimes it's about the discomfort or the, the change in language. As you were talking, Kim, I, I, I was kind of reminded of, of uh, that line that's attributed to St Francis of Assisi, which is to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Um, mm. And I think that there's a disconnect at times between who we present ourselves in our practice and in our deeds and and the way we feel spiritually and internally. 
And so there's this real dualism um, in our in our secular kind of relationship. So people kind of pause or, or or kind of hold back that element of themselves because they're a little bit afraid, as you said, of um, of of being challenged in an area where they don't have a lot of confidence. And um, and one of the one of the kind of big big ticket items is how do you see yourself embodying that that message of the gospel uh, and the the word that um, has been used a lot and this is one of the things that um, Father Paul talked about um, a couple of weeks ago um, through um, working with some of our teachers is about embodying the kerygma which is Mm. the story the the proclamation of the story of Jesus Mm. and so if you're you know like the the problem I think of why it's so hard in, in some of those experiences is because we actually don't do that first. <laughs> we tend to kind of we tend to not feel comfortable because we go, oh God, if someone knows how religious I am, mm. I, I don't know. I think they'd probably go, well, how come how come you don't recycle, <laughs> or you know, how come you uh, and or or, or more. Yeah. Um, and I think that the that as you as you've said the the criticism. Mm. The structural criticism, meaning this criticism of the structures of the church, tend to be the first barrage that comes to someone who wants to tell you how much they love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so the, the, the narrative changes. And so as a result of, of trying to avoid the confrontation that feels inevitable, mm-hmm. we end up just going, I'm just going to be a really nice person. I'm going to be a really, really nice person in that field and then I'll be able to come back and talk about my faith with the people who I feel safe talking to. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you really built on that point, Kim, that you raised of, of fear. Uh, and yeah. This is another aspect of, of fear mm. for yeah. people who belong in any any sort of institution that has um, criticisms thrown at it. Um, yeah, or or a bit of that, that sense of you needing to prove yourself before the world stage because you represent, you know, this particular group. I think that the two points, Kim, that I really leapt at that, um, that you shared about, while well, I, I put it into my own words, you really um, got me thinking around what our starting point is. What, what is our starting point when it comes to talking about faith or religion? Um, in the way that this question is, is asked, it's almost like an uphill battle or a bit of a competition or a, a contest. I don't know if that's that's the background to it, but that's my sense as I read it. And I suppose, yeah, you've just got me thinking about what's my own starting point when it comes to these kind of conversations. Um, the other one that you mentioned of the the uh, context of being in a secular society and having having goals, or Francis, you said something along the lines of being dualist um, in in our context. I think that's where I was I was going to approach this question from. Um, perhaps um, there was this Irish theologian um, that I was listening to recently, who um, could speak both English and it's Gaelic, right? That that mm-hmm. Irish, but yeah. And he had the two languages at a young age, and um, his teacher apparently. Um, was speaking in Gaelic and was saying, oh, you probably won't understand what I'm saying. And this this young person, um, in his own mind, thought, maybe she's right, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I can understand what she's saying, but maybe she's the authority and, you know, maybe I've got it all wrong. Um, and I feel like that's a default position that I and perhaps many come to when it comes to faith and religion, that, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going to say the wrong things or maybe I'm going to step out of line and it becomes this thing of uh, I need to get my religion and faith stuff either right or wrong. 
um, and that's the starting point for mm. for a group of people, a, a chunk of people. And and so some of my inspiration um, around that would be from um, Saint Francis. It's funny how you, you mentioned Saint Francis, Francis. Um, but basically, some Franciscan writing that talked about uh, God less or God, faith, and religion as less about a competition and more about a, a relationship um, and an encounter. In fact, I was reading Pope Benedict XVI um, when he was writing in one of his, his papers and he was talking about how um, Jesus or knowing God is, is more about ideas or getting ideologies correct, but it's more about an experience. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's perhaps a healthier starting point to speak from. Um, when we talk about faith and religion, and that's notwithstanding the valid criticisms that come with that. Um, but still, it's a different narrative from one where you, you start as a competition and wanting to prove your point. And yeah, I, I th- That's a really valid point to look mm. at what your starting point is and whether it's about getting the ideology right or wrong and this mm. sort of black and white view and then... Um, drawing from Benedict and understanding religion as an as an experience, mm. because that's the beauty of interreligious dialogue. Is that you know, and I'm part of um, interfaith networks where we, you know, whether it's Christian, Muslim, Baha'i, Hindu, Sikh, mm. um, Buddhist, uh, uh, Jewish, all, all the religions you could possibly, world religions you could possibly think of. When we do get together and we share our knowledge. Um, of our religions, which is essentially sharing our experience of it, mm. it's amazing um, how you see through your differences. And when you see yeah. through your differences, you are then having a relationship of your humanity through that. And I think that's what faith and religion can serve and mm. serves a lot of people and as well as yourself in that. So um, it's a good interreligious dialogue is a good practice in in that sense, in coming from that point of experience rather than whose ideology is what or what says what, yeah. or, you know, which has clearly been a problem and historically it's been a massive problem, which is why we need dialogue. Yeah. Um, but, 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 but having that experience, it just you, you start to see through those differences and you can talk about it. You, yeah. you do talk about it freely and you connect through it. Yeah. yeah. The Fate Feed celebrates stories of life, faith, and action in the world. On our YouTube channel, you can find short and relevant videos of everyday people sharing insights into life and faith. If you're looking for a more immersive experience, we host periodic studio audience events. With live music and a bar cafe atmosphere, people from all walks of life come together to listen to select speakers sharing some of their personal journey in life and faith. Check the podcast description for more details. I'm wondering, Kim, if you could take us then into into the next question of something um, helpful that you've seen in this space um, when it comes to talking about faith or religion via a story. I think you've you've talked about some of the the principles already, but maybe a story. And Francis, if you had a story as well, of um, healthy ways of talking about faith and, and religion. I think one of the one of the strategies that um, that Kim talked about, and I think arguably the last couple of minutes of Kim's kind of discussion has really fed kind of 
powerfully into this section, which is that attitude that you come into. And, and, and it, um, Donnie, the same same can be said of what you what you how you quoted um, Benedict. Um, if you come into a space from a position of openness mm-hmm. and, a, and a position as a learner, as opposed to somebody who is who is initiating a defence. Uh, I think you're in a totally, a totally kind of constructive learning space. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember having, I remember the, the unhelpful version of the, I remember being at a wedding. This was like 15 years ago. No, it can't be 15. Yeah, oh my goodness, it was 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, I remember being at a wedding and, um, and talking to a, a non-denominational uh, Christian. So someone who identified as non-denominational. And I was teaching studies of religion at the time. And studies of religion is a very concrete way of looking at religion in many ways. And so, so it's very, it's, it has really great elements of exposing people to different religious traditions. But because of the nature of, of, of the learning, it's very stuck in this is what these people think, this is what those people uh, think. Quite factual. Right. right. It's very objective. Mm-hmm. So, the, so, so treating, treating the believer as, as the subject of their faith is, is not something that they yeah. prioritize. Well, I, I, I prioritised when I was teaching it. Right. Let me just say that much. And so I was at this wedding and I was talking to this guy and I was, I was peppering him with questions because I was really intrigued. I, didn't, I remember reading like I remember reading stuff about the, the different positions and the way their attitude towards sacraments. And, and, and this guy was like, mate... I don't represent all non-denominational Christians everywhere. I've not, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, you know, I'm quoting these statistics going, now as far as, and he's like, what on earth? And, and he's, and I'm going, I'm just, I look, look, you know, and I, I prefaced every sentence with, you know, like I, I, I'm really curious and I'm, you know, so I tried to make it, I was honestly not trying to be rude, but I was so rude. I was so rude. I didn't realise it at the time. I'm looking back just going, what is this guy? Think? Like if there was a camera yeah, and yeah. a voiceover going, Francis doesn't realise it, but he's actually being a total bag of you know what. And like that was, that was the space I was in because I was coming from a point of you're a static experience yes. uh, you're yes, really yes. you you represent everything that is good bad and ugly about your tradition yeah. you're not a human you're a concept yeah and so when you're engaging in religion we tend to take the human and we go we're going to pause you for a minute and we're just going to look at that one facet of your life without realizing that it should be an immersive experience mm. where you walk out richer than when you came in. <laughs> maybe, maybe you learn something more about someone else's experience. Maybe, maybe you don't. But you, you go into it thinking, this is a gift that I'm receiving. And, and a byproduct of that might be what I what I bring to the table, mm. but I'm more concerned with making sure that I I am seeking first to understand. Mm-hmm. And if that's the headspace you're in, then when people attack you, um, then you you find yourself thinking, okay, well, what does that say? What is that? What is that telling me about what they need? Um, you know, if someone talked to me about how I felt about the challenges that that our community face, our faith community face, I would I would honestly tell them how deeply I struggle with it um, and, and I, would, I would talk about it from, from that personal experience if that was something that they cared to hear yeah. but, I'm, but I, I think for, for the most part the richness that has come from the open dialogue mm. 
one of the terms that has been thrown around um, recently for me is, is uh, receptive ecumenism. Hmm. Um, so, and, and essentially it is just a word that describes the, the, the heart of Kim's work, where you go in there to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if, and, if, and you're in response to the curiosity of others and not to the driving of your own agenda. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yes. That'd be my that w- that's been most helpful for yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like what you're saying in a nutshell, Francis, is that and this can often be the gift of of dialogue, whether it's ecumenical or interreligious or mm-hmm. any form of dialogue mm-hmm. in any part of your life between you and your spouse or you yeah. and your children or Which you rugby and your team boss you support. or you and mm. your colleague, whatever it might be, if you're coming if you can come into that that space of dialogue, it enhances your own sense of who you are and your own sense of faith. It, it, you know, there's often this idea that, particularly with interreligious dialogue, that, oh, I'm going to be converted or they're going to impose something on me or, or I'm doing something wicked against my own faith by engaging in mm-hmm, this. But mm-hmm. often the experience is that it enhances your own faith yeah. in that space because as that very eloquent example that you gave, mm. if you sit there and contemplate that question and put yourself in the shoes of the other, that, in a sense, is a gift also returned back to you yes. in your own... ..because it enhances who you are or, you know, or, or knowing who you are and where you, you fit in all of that yes. uh, a lot more. So it's that reaching out to that other is... Is what can bring you back to the truth of your of yourself yeah. in that experience. So yeah. it's a gift. Yeah. It's a gifted space to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a, it's it's a hard space to be in, mm. as you said. And and um, I don't think you can force it. Yeah, you can't manufacture I th- it. No, I think yeah. you just need to hopefully um, create a space to to allow it to arise. I would hope. Yeah. 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 Um, Have you had a, a recent experience of, of something of mutual blessing? That's kind of like the interpretation I, I threw into. I I, I, I I was part of an uh, I was at a meeting with a, a group of women, an interfaith network, and um, it was a woman who's in the Anglican Church who yeah. spoke of her experience in Africa. Um, she was on a she was on a trek to the top of a mountain and hadn't realised how steep it was um, as she was sort of reaching its summit and kept falling back and hitting her head. Oh. And she was at, she was at, she thought she was going to die. Like she, it was, it, it, it was um, a very difficult challenge for her. And that, this was her experience and this is a religious experience. And she had a couple of Sherpas, I think, helping her. Yeah. But she just kept falling back and hitting her head because this mountain was so steep and um, and she collapsed and thought, I can't go on. Yeah. Um, but something had overcome her that brought her back in some way, not necessarily from death, but from... Well, in some ways it was. She wasn't necessarily going to... She believed that's what was going to happen. Um, and... And I can't. I mean, this is maybe this is the answer to the question why and why it is so hard to talk about mm. faith and religion. Because if you're going to talk about these experiences, we do end up losing a language for it. It's you kind of do end up a bit speechless about mm. it. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so I mean, I guess 
you know, the stories of the gospel or even, you know, for me it can be poetry, you can try and access those experiences. Yeah. But she was essentially, she said she had an experience of God in that moment and then she, and she was able to move forward and pass that. And when she did, and this is what was so moving about it, she encountered a family of gorillas and uh, I guess the male gorilla, the, 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 the head gorilla, had, had looked at her in the eyes and acknowledged her and she shared a story about um, just kind of sitting there still and it, they were acknowledging each other's presence and she had a branch and I think he was pulling it and she was pulling it. Something of the... I can't exactly remember the story, but I, I just remember it was a very um, profound experience um, that she described as, as a presence of God. Mm. And I think... Um, you know, these, these are the gifts that I get from people that I meet of various Catholics and Christians and other religions who then share their stories or just observing the way that they practice their faith um, and their devotion. It can often um, make me want to practice in a better way or, yes. or you know, and that's what's enhancing for me. Yes. And that's... That's the giftedness of, despite our differences, of, of um, being open, I suppose, to their experiences. And, you know, I'm not like that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only human. <laughs> and nor, um, nor, nor I can be very defensive can. and yeah. very set in my yeah. rules and in yeah. various other parts of my life and yeah. things. Uh, yeah, That's I'm incredible. very yeah. moved by her experience. Yeah. Mm. I, um, I think uh, where my ears propped up, Francis, when you shared your story was... Um, talking about how to get in touch with the humanity of the other person or the people in the conversation. And, and Kim, I just left at your speechless comment. Um, mm. It, it reminded me of this conversation I had with a fellow over the phone, Irish, retired, found our phone number in a phone book as a partial institute. And he started off his, his question or his conversation with, so I found out you're a partial institute. What are you on about? And I thought... <laughs> No name, no, <laughs> not this stuff. I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> but yeah, we, we got into the conversation um, and I, I felt like um, he was really searching and he, he said, you know, he was, he's finding himself as a really skeptical fellow who grew up in the Christian Catholic tradition, but is, is recently, oh, well, for a chunk now, been a bit skeptical about the whole endeavor and shared about some of his things. He studied in philosophy and stuff. And, and I felt in that exchange... Um, I, I had the urgency to respond to what he was saying, but I had to keep on stopping myself and saying, hang on, hang on a minute, listen to, to where he's at. Um, and eventually um, it got to a point where there was just a, a reasonable enough break because he kept on going on and on. And I don't know what, what came over me at the time, but I thought the most appropriate thing I could do was just to say thank you to, to what he said um, and just to affirm his questioning and his reflections in, in that. And then we did our introductions and I thought that felt so organic, like, you know, just to, to be in each other's presence. And it felt like I was looking at him, even though I was on the phone and couldn't see his face. And yeah, when we introduced each other, there was just this speechlessness, this, this silence. Um, and then he finally said, you kind of get some of this stuff too. And I'm like, I think I tried to, I think I tried to. Um, and, and the conversation landed on him, not necessarily having to know this, but, um, he got me in touch with that question of how am I asking God what I really think in this moment? Because he was quoting suffering, he was quoting 
abuses, um, not necessarily um, sexual abuse um, in religious circles, but just different abuses in, yeah, in we institutions. Can't forget that we we're stuffed up in many other fields yeah. as well as yeah. as well as kind of sexual abuse. Yeah. We're not, you know, we're uh, if we hang our hat on the sexual abuse, we're denying every other form of abuse yeah. that we're guilty of. Yeah. And when I say we, I mean I mean as a as a community of yeah. faithful, we've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and I'd also stretch that to just humanity in general. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Is that whole veil of is this a religious thing or is it a human thing that we're we're acting out of? But it this this fellow who said he doesn't really believe in in a specific God got me asking those questions. And I thought that's, that's the blessing I can kind of take away from this experience that he's allowed me to revisit a bit of what my starting point is or what my current point is on my faith journey. So, yeah. I think, I think, I mean, this is the wonderful thing about the format of this podcast. Not that I'm being biased. (laughs) I'm on the panel, but um, it's... Kim is not being paid to say this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but I think it's important to question and to ask the questions. And I think we're often so afraid to do that, that we then do end up wanting to sort of uh, retreat into ideologies or things that are certain. Mm. Um, And that's where the danger lies in Mm. terms of how we speak to, to each other. Yeah. And to ourselves. Yeah. And, and the ability to open up to relationships. Yeah. Um, and, and, and put ourselves in the, in the shoes of the other. Mm. And, and build those, build that dialogue, mm. those bridges. Mm. So. But you, I mean, you, yeah, you're really talking about a countercultural attitude toward kind of talking. Yes. Um, where, you, you know, even, I mean, that brings us back to the beginning of, of what you talked about around the language we use. And the attitudes we apply in the secular, I hate to call this, but when it's there, there's the kind of the secular or the civic mm. wor- world, there's a fear of admitting that you don't know things. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that we, we, work, we work at in, in, our, in the kind of the education setting is encouraging our teachers, because they say it, like you get to a meeting and everyone will go, yeah, I tell people I don't know, but then they, they, they don't feel that sense of freedom and, and liberation to be vulnerable within the context of their own exactly. space. And mm-hmm. that was the word I had in my mind hearing you speak just then, is that it, it makes us vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, sorry to interrupt no, no, no. for a moment, Francis, when that gentleman called you and just went straight into the conversation, was he... I mean, I'm making an assumption here, but mm. I, it's I, I feel like sometimes you would do that because you're nervous, yeah. and he's made the he's picked up the phone and made the call because yeah. he can't he, he can't stop himself anymore. He's mid dive. He just isn't needs he? to. Already... Mm. Mm. So he's just gone straight yeah. into it yeah, yeah. before he could kind of block himself or block that truth that he's trying to seek, mm. and the fact that he got you on the other end, um, who was open to his questioning and and acknowledging his his path, mm. um, despite how different it has been to, compared to yours, mm. um, and you weren't defensive. That's that's the kind of that's that's faith right there in, in action. That's religion right there in action. Mm. So I think. Oh, thanks, thanks, Kim. Yeah, I, I think um, just at this point in the conversation to to bring it to a close, uh, we've we've touched on it in different ways, but perhaps to turn it into a, a more subjective, personal statement of. How might our discussion today influence the way that we each uh, live out our, our life and faith um, until the next podcast session? How might you summarise that? I, I'm just going to take from what Francis said today, um, and you, Donnie, 
um, uh, about your starting point, to think about what your mm. starting point is and to pause there for a moment because I think that would allow for an opening that you might not otherwise mm. have, come, you know, have subconsciously. And then, Francis, I think it's just... I don't know how to um, phrase this, but it was just what you're learning, what the gift is that that someone is giving. Someone's giving you an opportunity to learn something. So you can either be your starting point can either be that defensive mode where it's like, no, I have the answer, and that makes me feel certain, and I'm going to st- stay with that. Um, and, like, I'm thinking of the example of the non-denominational gentleman <laughs> that you came across, yeah. and you yeah. had this sort of preconceived idea of what who he was and what he represented, um, but then you you learned from that. Was that the example? Sorry, there was yeah, another example I, before I that. Yeah, I walked in, I had all these questions that I thought I wanted more clarification on, thinking that this guy knew everything about his... Uh, knew, like was essentially the, you know, the kind of the Pope Francis or the Benedict the Sixteenth of his own community. He's just a twenty-eight-year-old fella that, I, that was at the same table as me at this wedding, and you know, he's like, oh, can I? Can I? Is there any other seats anywhere? Anywhere? I'll sit. Look, I'll sit near the bathrooms. I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I came in under the under with the intention of learning. But I was learning with such rigidity mm. um, that I was phrasing assumptions as questions. Mm. So yeah, I think I think that coming in, as you said, without coming, you know, kind of that openness, without that that rigid um, preconception or presuppositions, mm. um, I would share that as my takeaway. Mm. And and to understand, it is hard. It can be hard to talk about it, you know. And and if if and if we get down to the nitty gritty of the experience, your yes. experience of God and religion and faith, that, as in the story I told of that woman's story yes. of climbing the mountain. Yes. Um, you get to that point of that experience, and then there are yeah. no words for it. And there are no words yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's one aspect of faith and religion. Yeah. Yeah, there are sure. many others. There's the structural and there's the church and, yes. there's, and there's the reputation and there's the image mm-hmm. and there's the secular world. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm jumping at your line, Kim, of um, I can't do that all the time. <laughs> just, <laughs> just that phrase you said and I thought, yeah, no. ma- ma- maybe I, I too can't be the ideal, non-defensive, always vulnerable person the that whole time. You wouldn't be human. Yeah, yeah. If, if, yeah, so I'm treating that as my takeaway slash reminder to do that. And I actually pinned that to, like you said, um, being more human. Francis, your comment about getting in touch with uh, the humans in the conversation, including myself. Um, mm. And just to realize that, yeah, even though I might aspire to some of these things we've talked about, that that's a work in progress for the rest of my life kind of thing, rather than I'll get there and, and show everyone here's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think... There's something poignant in that because we are all human, mm. just as Jesus was, mm. but it's seeing the divine in each of us yeah. despite our differences or because of our differences mm. because we're all unique beings and we're all made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. So we're all going to be different. <laughs> so you, it's, it's just about recognising the divine mm. in the other, no matter what your faith or religion or none. Mm. Thanks, Kim. And I would love, if it's okay, I know yes. that you've got to sign off, but I would love to finish on a quote from the Catholic Outlook magazine that actually is, is on, the, on the cover 
of the uh, the autumn 2020 edition is is Donny, who looks absolutely fabulous with the rest of the rest of the team. I'm the, wearing uh, the same pants at the IFM moment. Team. <laughs> Donnie's got about 17 pairs of these pants. I've only ever seen him in these pants. Oh, which dear. Is, which is, and he's, there's about three photos, and I'm pretty certain they're on the same day. But if not, he wouldn't be – he's wearing the same pants. But there's one quote from, um, from Father Paul who or from Paul who that really resonates with what, um, with what Kim just said, which is, we're here as an experience of community among parish communities and others too. As God became human, became incarnate, we focus on the leadership in the incarnation that we are all called to exercise. God's mission of being flesh and blood in the world. Thank you, Francis and Kim. Thank you. Thanks, Donnie. Thanks, Kim. For those of you tuning into today's segment, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe on your preferred listening platform. Alternatively, visit the Faith Feeds website to stay up to date with our latest content. If something in this segment inspired a bit of your own curiosity and questions, we invite you to get in touch with us. All links will be provided in the description. See you next time.